everyone, and welcome to Marketing Musts with Rick. I am your host, Rick Mancini. I am the Director of Marketing Services on the distributor side at ASI. Uh, my job is to help ASI distributors with their online visibility, uh, marketing their website online, uh, social media marketing, search engine optimization, search engine marketing, things like that. Uh, today, I'm joined by Hannah, and she will introduce herself. Hello, Hannah. Hello. Uh, <laughs> Hannah's been here for, what, six years at ASI? Yeah, yeah. I've been here for about six years, uh, focusing primarily on researching, creating, and developing websites and digital media for our suppliers and distributors. Great, great. Well, welcome and thank you. Uh, what Hannah and I will cover today are uh, website trends, facts, stats, um, five examples and five features that will uh, make your website stand out and get visitors to come back and stay on your site and shop and spend a lot of money. Ooh. So without further ado, we are going to jump into the five facts, stats, and trends. First one we're going to cover today is the idea of scrolling and above the fold, air quotes. Um, <laughs> Hannah is going to cover some different things today, but I in a in a quick uh, just little synopsis here, the idea of scrolling ha has become very, very habitual for uh, everyone when they're online shopping, but also in a normal day-to-day, -day, whether you're on your applications, on your phone, uh, social media stuff, your favorite websites where you're checking news and information. The idea of scrolling is so easy for us today. It's so accepted. In 2018, scrolling has become obviously very, very widely accepted, making the above-the-fold real estate not quite what it used to be. Can, can you comment on that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So the two kind of have a symbiotic relationship. Uh, so back in the day, many of you know the old above the fold rule, right? Um, it's actually a, role, a rule that got its name from printed pieces like newspapers and tabloids where a lot of the uh, main headlines and grabbing attention-grabbing photographs were literally above the fold of a printed piece. So back in the early 2000s, that term kind of was adopted by web design when a 2006 study showed that 77% of visitors would not scroll past the top view of a browser window. Uh, so a lot of people were, were kind of sacrificing design, readability, um, and usability in order to put the entire website above the fold. So for web, the meaning wasn't quite the same as it was for print and was born because of, I guess, the disadvantages of scrolling. Right, exactly. So the old above the fold rule doesn't really apply today. Like you said before, we're all on our phones now, so we're so used to scrolling. It's just it's something that's expected. Um, and because of that, the above the fold rule is elusive and no longer a single standard dimension. Instead, it's a point that's determined when designing for mobile first. Um, today, people will scroll if they have a reason to, just not a lot. It usually stays in the upper third of the page. So if I'm a, a listener right now and I have a website, what, what should be above the fold? Okay, so your logo and contact information, I think, are pretty obvious. Those definitely should be above the fold. Um, your user tools like a navigation, a search, a cart, that sort of stuff, um, all should be around like your header. And then you come in with a really big hero banner, which is, in essence, that large attention-grabbing image, and pair it with a tagline that talks about your key business goals or user goals to get someone to actually click into the site or scroll. Okay, great. So, so my above 
the fold real estate is looking good i have a nice hero <laughs> um hero banner hero image excuse me and customers like what they see but now that they've scrolled essentially past the fold what are some good features to have uh, beyond the fold that that might get uh, visitors to stay on your site um, so there's a few solutions uh, to keep that scrolling from feeling like work and making it a little more fun and entertaining. Um, so first is a sticky header, right? Because a lot of the issues in the past were people not wanting to scroll back to the top to get to navigation and all those important things we just talked about above the fold. Um, so by applying a sticky header, it means all of that stuff is you know, within access anywhere you are on the page. On mobile, it usually appears stuck up in the top left or right corner, and they tend to look like a sandwich or a hamburger, or, you know, whatever you like to have for lunch. I had a BLT today, <laughs> so that was really There you good. go. You can have your BLT in the upper corner. <laughs> um, another solution is to make it fun, right? So as you're scrolling, you can use things like parallax scrolling, incorporate some subtle animations, and uh, plan micro-interactions. Parallax so is when the image stays still but you're scrolling past it yes. and all the okay yeah. yeah yeah so all of these things are sort of reactions to where you're looking at the page or where your mouse is hovering on the page uh, last, I would say add a lazy load if you have a lot of content. So sites like Pinterest and Instagram do this. So and same with e-commerce. If you have a lot of products and things, you want a lazy load so that when someone gets to the page, they're not waiting for all of that content to load. It's just the important things, that things that are within that view that are loading at a time. So to summarize, it's important to prioritize your content and keep major call to actions above the fold uh, or in the upper third. Um, so make the fold content a quick read that immediately describes what the site is and, and invites a visitor to explore. Yeah. So that was number one. That was the first little touch point and first fact uh, or trend that we see, uh, obviously, with scrolling being uh, such, a, uh, such a common thing that we do every day. Second, which I thought was interesting, too, because it, it draws my eye when I'm on webs websites, excuse me, is the idea of lists mm -hmm. as opposed to maybe just chunky paragraphs or yeah. wordy paragraphs. Um, and when I say lists, Hannah, and you can um, elaborate, we don't mean things that are ranked or, or listed in terms of steps or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But you would say that lists are better at keeping readers focused than, than large paragraphs. And some people even completely ignore large chunks of text. Would yeah, that be fair? Yeah, definitely. Um, people want a scan-friendly site. So just think about the amount of websites we have today. As of January 2018, there are 332 million registered domains for 1.8 billion websites which means you really want to stand out and you want to be easy to find and a quick read when someone gets to your site so that you're you know, not someone who's taking up someone's time. Um, if you offer a lot of services such as fulfillment, printing, design, sandwich making, etc., <laughs> um, lists, lists attract a lot more attention than those paragraphs do. Save all that heavy content for subpages and blog posts where it's expected to be authoritative on each item. Um, and doing that not only helps with your SEO, but it also helps people find what they're looking for. So there's seven things you should keep in mind when you write your lists. Uh, so, one, here, so here's a list of seven to, yes. to further uh, <laughs> More prove list. that lists are important. Good. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yes, yes, yes. Um, well, number one is use numbers only when sequence matters. 
Number two, keep word count similar for each listed item. Number three, make sure you start each item with the same type of word, so like a noun or a verb, something like that. Try not to use the same starting word for each item. That's number four. Number five, introduce each list with a lead-in that accurately describes the items to follow. Number six, format each item the same. So if you start with a capital and end with a period, follow that through throughout the entire list. And number seven is don't overuse the system. Too much of a good thing can lose its impact. You know, too many lists, they no longer mean anything to you. Sure. And your number one there was use numbers only when sequence matters. And yeah. you numbered your list. <laughs> so okay. did sequence matter here? <laughs> no. Okay, okay. So maybe I did that one wrong. But <laughs> um, yeah, when I when I write lists personally, um, you know, it, it's it's pretty boring. You know, I usually number them or little dash marks or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, what can our listeners do to make their list stand out a little bit? Uh, yeah, like you said, lists can create awkward gaps and empty spaces when they're listed out like that, when they're stacked vertically. So each item could display horizontally. Uh, you could break them into columns. And another great way is to make... Um, to add an image or color or an icon to differentiate between each item, uh, there's a fact. So users are roughly 37% faster at finding items within a list on a web page when visual indicators vary compared to text alone. And icons can be the most successful when they have a clear relationship to each topic. So when you write out your fantasy football lists, Rick, do you write them in lists or do you write them in paragraphs? I use lists, but I haven't won in a while, so maybe I should start <laughs> using paragraphs. I, I don't know. I'm up for, I'm no, up no, for stick, some advice. Stick to your lists. <laughs> so to recap, lists are good, and sometimes clunky paragraphs are uh, uh, a little misleading. Next, uh, number three on the list to cover here is the idea of white space, which to you and I might seem very vague and a little <laughs> confusing, but I know Hannah is very excited to talk to you all about this. But yes. what I'll just, uh, my, what I'll cover quickly though before I unleash Hannah is white space is good. Now, again, and, and Hannah will cover this, it doesn't literally mean white space on your website. Oh, yeah. No, it does. It's just sort of like the background image. It's open air, right? So this one's actually tougher to plan for than it sounds. People often see that white space or that open space and want to stuff it with content rather than actually look at it and with a critical eye and kind of decide, is this providing something for the design or does it look like it's incomplete? So for example, think about your smartphone. You're, normally your apps are displayed in a grid across the screen, right? And now imagine that an app was uninstalled. This creates an awkward gap in your grid, right? I Wouldn't don't that like drive that. you crazy? I do not like that. I don't <laughs> like that open space. I have to fill it up. <laughs> yeah, so that space that feels awkward that you have to fill is called undefined white space. When you see these moments, kind of think about how you can arrange that information so that the space becomes active and thought about. White space, when thought about, helps differentiate between sections and guides your eye through the composition. It also provides air and gives your eye a break so you don't feel overwhelmed by the amount of content. This topic can be pretty confusing without a visual demonstration, right? <laughs> yeah. So just keep in mind, white space is good. Just don't throw content in for the sake of filling space. If you want to throw in a picture of your dog, that's fine. I'm sure there's a place for your dog, but don't just stuff spot in a spot 
in a place because you want to fill the space. It's not helping your design and it's not helping spot either. Okay. So, so don't overstuff and white space, you know, essentially helps organize content and can give uh, visual breathing room. Yeah. Contact information. The fourth, um, I guess, little trend or, or, or trick uh, that, that we want to talk about today is the idea of where to position, how to position, if you should position your contact information on your website. Um, this came about, this topic came about from a statistic we saw that 44% of visitors will leave a company's mm -hmm. website if there is no contact information. Um, tell us about best practices, Hannah, because when I'm on the phones, I, I hear from distributors that want their contact information to be, you know, the focal point where if someone comes and is interested in a product or service, mm -hmm. the distributor wants that visitor to call them. They would like to have that phone call with them. They don't want them, sh you know, going around the site too much. We also have distributors who are less inclined to take that phone call from a visitor, and they want that shopper to stay on their website all day and night and shop. Um, so they would rather have their contact information maybe a bit smaller or maybe hidden. I'm sure there's a happy medium somewhere. Mm -hmm. Where Where is it? And where do you hear on the phones as far as the best place for the contact information? Yeah, um... Definitely don't make the contact information huge, that, you know, central focal point. That's your tagline. You know, we talked about earlier how that above the fold information, that tagline should be something that draws someone in and says something about you. If it's your phone number, that's not telling them anything besides how they can contact you. Sure. <laughs> so people are used to actually looking for your contact information in the header, the footer, and on the contact us page. So you don't need to have it that giant tagline. Use that real estate for those, you know, eye-catching taglines. And believe it or not, that whole request to remove the contact information you're talking about uh, happens pretty frequently. Mm. Um, by removing the possibility to contact someone from your site, you're really making it less reliable and trustworthy. How do I know a real person is there to help? And why should I put my credit card information into a seemingly faceless website? And obviously, it's very important to have your contact information on your site. I mean, if you're, if you're an at-home business and that information is something you don't want to share, Get a Gmail account, you know, info at Gmail, info your company name at Gmail or Yahoo or whatever it is. But there's mm -hmm. free tools out there where, um, you know, you can still label yourself as a, uh, as a business entity. The fifth and last trend that we'll cover today is the idea of menus and buttons and how important they are on an e-commerce site in 2018. Um, obviously, we'll talk about the functionality features that menus and buttons serve on your website, but we'll also cover from a visibility standpoint how important it is to have um, these functional menus and buttons and how it really draws the eye of a visitor. Uh, the stat that we like to refer to is visitors spend more time looking at menus and buttons than other parts of your website. So Hannah, talk about the functionality, talk about the visibility, but talk about some of those other parts of the website that uh, visitors might skip over or might uh, draw their eye closer to the menus and buttons rather than these other portions. So your menus and buttons uh, really act as visual cues to a visitor that your website will fit their needs, right? So 
your buttons are just calls to action and tasks that your visitors are able to complete. So it's kind of telling someone, okay, this is how you can call me. This is how you can start shopping. This is how you can connect to my specific collection that I've curated specifically for, you know, t-shirts um, because they're my favorites, right? So those buttons are really kind of telling someone, okay, so this is what I can do here. And then your menus are really just our lists, just like a table of contents in a magazine. They're telling a user, okay, so now that I'm at your site, um, this is where I can find testimonials about you. This is where I can find more information about you as a company. This is where I can find, you know, maybe case studies of things that you've done in the past. So really it's sort of the menus are informed the user of the company of various other services that you offer and then the buttons are telling a, a user what kind of things they can do while they're on their site on the site and how to use the site sure so they provide much more than just uh, clicking options on a, on a web page they mm -hmm. provide information what your website is uh, informs your users who you are you know what you're about and ways to connect to your to your business mm -hmm. well that was five we covered them pretty uh, pretty detailed. Uh, we had obviously some examples of, of things that you've heard and seen and also from some statistics uh, from a digital marketing standpoint that, uh, that we drew from. Hannah, as we conclude here, there's probably some listeners who are saying, oh, you know what? Um, you know, my above the fold is a little sloppy or mm -hmm. I, I don't have lists. Mm -hmm. um, my menus and buttons aren't very functional. What would you say to someone like that who needs some work on their website or that they don't have a site and they're looking to implement some of these in their new website? Yeah, well, um, I think it's important to know that, you know, the Internet is always changing. Um, there are constantly new trends uh, that are evolving as new features and functionalities are being developed. So keep keep up the research, keep looking at things, keep trying to find inspiration from other sites. And most of the topics that we covered today are pretty universal and have remained pretty consistent over the years. So I think the biggest takeaway for our listeners is probably this. When you go to take a look at your website, apply the concepts you've learned today. Oh my God. Okay. Hold on a second. Let me just... It's all right. We're good. Okay. <clears throat> When you go to take a look at your website and apply the concepts that you've learned today, really go over your site with a critical eye. You need to know what your website says and then what the message is that you actually want it to say. And once you know that, you can create your content and make choices about hierarchy and layout. All of these guidelines paired with carefully chosen colors, images, and fonts really comes together to create a well-designed website. And if making those decisions is daunting to you, then take your brand's new clear message to a designer. They can back your content with a really visually immersive design. All right, Rick, all this talk of sandwiches, tables, and menus, I'm hungry. <laughs> You're treating for lunch, right? Yeah, yeah, my <laughs> treat. Just help me out with the uh, fancy football list. Yes, But I gotcha. uh, thanks again to Hannah and for everyone joining us today and listening. Stick around for another bonus portion of the podcast where, where we will learn a little bit more about our guest, Hannah. Woo. Okay, Hannah, you have survived the podcast and I appreciate <laughs> your time, but the listeners want to know more about Hannah. 
All right. So you have to answer the three most important questions <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Number one, what is your favorite promo product? Ah, yes. Very important. Um, I would say my favorite promo product is a, is a, a pop socket. Okay. Um, I have one on my phone currently. Explain to the audience what a pop socket is. Uh, so it's a little. Uh, how do you explain that? Like okay, a so it's a little. No, no, it's a little, like a little object that's got a sticky back, and it uh, applies to the back of your phone, and you can pop out this. It's, it acts like a little kickstand for your phone. Um, you can use it to hold between your fingers. So when you're taking a picture, you can just use one hand. Um, you can text with one hand a lot easier because you can hold on to it. It's basically like a little handle for your phone. Okay. I mean, I use it for, um, it also, oh, it also has this awesome thing where you can mount it to your car. It's a little added product that you can have a little car mount for it because mm -hmm. it doesn't actually work with your normal car mounts because the pop socket takes up too much space on the back, Sure. which means it also doesn't work for the wireless chargers, but that's okay because I hate wireless chargers. I think they're the stupidest things ever. Wow. <laughs> okay. That was the most detailed answer to what is your favorite promo product I think ever. <laughs> Got into your hate for wireless chargers. Great. Um, th the next question is, is you know, maybe a little bit more um, work-related as a web designer. What's bothering you today? Uh, okay. So many things. No. Um, so there's, there's probably two things. One is the misuse of the terms mobile friendly versus responsive design. Uh, mobile friendly doesn't mean that it only works for mobile. It doesn't mean that it's, you know, optimized for mobile. All it means really is that it scales. I mean, it is optimized for mobile. I'm sorry. All it means is that the website scales down to fit within a mobile screen without scrolling. This means that the entire site is pretty much exactly the same as you would see it on a desktop, um, except just kind of shrunk. And then responsive means it's actually responding to every screen size. So you could have it open on desktop and just kind of move your browser window and it should respond to every size that's available. Um, so I just... Wish that people would use those terms correctly because it drives me insane. Okay. <laughs> the other thing would be good, fast, and cheap. You only get two. You don't get all three. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to get something fast, it's going to be – if you want something fast and good, it's going to be expensive. If you want something good and cheap, it's not going to be fast. So, you know, that's the, the whole thing is you either get uh, one or the, the two and not all three. Great. <coughs> Lastly um, – you're a web designer. You say you've been here for six plus years. Great experience. Yeah. What advice would you give someone starting out in web design? Uh, um, well, first I'd say don't panic. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot to learn. There's uh, a lot of, you know, trial and error. It's not magic. Um, so just take your time and make decisions. And, you know, it's okay if something doesn't work out the first time around. And also, done is better than perfect. So if you with websites, luckily, it's not something that's like a printed piece where you send it off and that's it. Once it's printed, you can't fix it. You can't change it. Web design is not like that. You can, if for your website, you can update it. You can change it. If something comes out wrong, you can definitely change that. Um, that and then the five-minute rule. I'd say if you're designing something or working with a designer, for f the first five minutes of looking over your project, 
say positive things. Collect all the things you like about the design. So are the colors nice? Are the images nice? Do you like the way the typography looks? That sort of stuff before you go into the negative. That way you can better formulate how to um, create these solutions for the negative side effects. That, like Things like, I hate the spacing here, but you like the images and colors. So maybe the way those two things are treated helps solve the spacing issue. So yeah, that that's pretty much it. Great. Well, I appreciate you joining us today. I appreciate you answering the questions. Um, signing out, this is Rick with Hannah. Thanks for joining us today. See you next time on Marketing Musts with Rick. Bye.